0: And it's a pleasure and a privilege to welcome a Dr. Rebecca Walker. My good doctor, good morning this morning. Thank you for waking up. Good morning, good morning up. to you. Thank you for waking up so early on a Monday, you Nohal. Know <laughs> no problem. It's
1: always good to start early.
0: Yeah, you know, by the time it really gets to the office, you're almost ready to go home.
1: Go back to
0: bed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we hope it is. And... Um, the month of October is a very busy month. It's, uh, you know, transport month as well, meaning there's a whole lot of movement. We are at level one, more borders opened, and uh, so many stories doing the rounds. The study that you conducted, can you, can you, can you paint a picture for us? A talk? What was the idea behind the
1: study? Sure. So um, the study was commissioned by the Centre for Child Law. Um, because they, in a the number of cases they 've been dealing with over the past few years uh, they 've been seeing child trafficking come up a lot, um, both used by the state as a as a reason why, for example, they um, couldn 't allow undocumented learners to attend school or as a reason why children who were coming from um, Zimbabwe to join their parents in South Africa were intercepted and not allowed to reunite with the parents because and they cited child trafficking as a as a reason why they need to be careful around this. And while we recognize child trafficking as obviously a horrific human rights violation as a a crime by law, um, there's concerns that human trafficking as talked about in South Africa is is not based on reliable evidence and we don't present a realistic picture of what is happening and and when and when when we do that, you know, we actually risk placing migrants and particularly placing children at greater harms. So the Centre for Child Law wanted to get a better understanding of what is happening in terms of child trafficking in South Africa and, and you know, what, what are some of these claims being made and to what extent can they be validated?
0: geez it's, it's, it's quite a something for officials to use this to say, we can't have you here because we fear you could be trafficked.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's in in some ways it's a, it's kind of a convenience um, use of you know it's if we know that in South Africa as as is globally that um, sort of ideas around migration are quite negative and there's generally a global push towards securitizing borders and to restricting migration and you know that's often on these founded fears one of you know migrants flooding a country or burdening the health system or the education system or whatever. But trafficking is also one of those issues that comes up that gets connected a lot uh, to non-nationals um, even though trafficking can refer to sort of internal movements as well as cross-border movement and, and so in, you know rather than dealing with issues around say access to documentation or challenges in within the healthcare system itself because of a weak system or challenges with the education system It's quite easy to say, you know, we're doing this in the name of of child trafficking and we're doing this to protect children because, of course, nobody wants to see children placed at risk. No one wants to think of children as vulnerable. And it also, you know, it plays into people's fears. I mean, we see when those WhatsApp messages start circulating around or these random videos of supposed sort of attempts to traffic or abduct people. Um, you know, it, it plays into people's fears and parents especially are going to be very, very sensitive to these issues, uh, which is why we are arguing that we really need to, to not to not say trafficking isn't happening because it does happen. But we need to have a realistic picture and we need to look at, you know, why, why is trafficking sometimes being used as a convenient label when it's, it's a far more complicated reality?
0: So in other words, uh, by using trafficking, we are running away from uh, just dealing with migration in the most humane way, for lack of a better way, word.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think when we when we talk about migration, we also need to put that into context. So yes. you know, in South Africa, we often have these very negative perceptions of migration and the assumptions that, that migrants are flooding over the border you know, that we have a porous border and that South Africa can't deal with the numbers we have. But actually the data suggests that we that of the, the overall population of South Africa, we're only talking about 3 to 7% who are non-nationals. So, you know, that's, that's a very small percent and it's a very small percent to blame for a lot of South Africa's problems, such as, you know, um, the health system and education, and also to blame, you know, to, to, to talk about trafficking. And... And, you know, it's, yeah, documentation's a very difficult and messy issue. But the reality is, and, and what came up in our study um, when we spoke to children who had been crossing borders and a number of the officials working with them, is that if there was a safe and easy option to access documentation, you know, none of, a lot of these risks wouldn't be faced. And we wouldn't be needing to have these conversations about trafficking because, you know, to deny children documentation actually places them at greater risk of trafficking in the first place. But it also means that when we talk about trafficking, we don't deal with these far more complicated issues. And the trouble is that these, you know, the the label of trafficking gets picked up by the media, we see it in movies. It's a very sensationalized topic. And it's, you know, it captures people's attention. Whereas if you start talking about access to documents, you know, people are, you know, are less interested because it's far harder to deal with. So, you know, trafficking becomes a sort of an easier option in a way.
0: Also the issue of documentation uh, has got a lot of meaning into it in terms of what it means and uh, what it contains going forward for individuals who get them officially or otherwise.
1: For sure and I mean you know one of the key findings of our study was that smuggling is far more widespread than trafficking. So um, you know, we argue that trafficking is one piece of a much more complicated picture, but that smuggling is, is very is very common because of this difficulty accessing documents. And I think it's important to say that, there's, that, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who wants to be without documents. You know, to be an undocumented person means that you can't access education, employment. You face a whole uh, range of vulnerabilities throughout your life. And for children, of course, there's... All those knock-on effects of you can't sit in a trick, you can't, you know, you can't go out into the world and strive if you if you remain undocumented. So people who who are in need of crossing the border, who want to seek better livelihoods or join family, are looking for other ways to cross. And smuggling is a is is far more prevalent because because it's it's an easier way to move across the border. But that's not to say that people. Who engage in smuggling aren't exploited. They don't face violence. They don't face difficulties. But what we do is we say, you know, we have trafficking victims, and then we have smuggling criminals. So smuggling plays back into that idea of, you know, migrants being illegal, being, you know, being criminals somehow, um, and you know, being a, a negative thing for South Africa. Whereas with trafficking, we we sort of paint this idea of, you know, these these innocent victims that we can we can assist, which is uh, people prefer to talk about
0: that. Sometimes I wonder if, uh, as, as you put it, uh, Prof, uh, if we, as, 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 you know, society, understand the differences between trafficking and what it involves uh, versus smuggling, because obviously trafficking is a more serious issue in terms of what happens to people who are trafficked for a particular purpose, when, on the other hand, smuggling is just moving people from one place to the the next undetected?
1: Sure. So, I mean, in terms of law, um, smuggling is is defined as a process that facilitates entry without documentation and uh, using an intermediary. So, you know, you've got somebody who you might pay a large sum of money to help you get across the border so in, in, in some, to some extent, that involves, you know, making decisions and some agency, uh, which is why, you know, it's not seen so much as a, as a crime because people are making, making a choice there. But that's, as I said, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that people aren't exploited in the process and don't face many challenges and forms of violence, particularly women crossing borders. So, and in comparison, trafficking is a, is a human rights violation. So it's crime against a, a human rights. Um, And there have to be three elements involved for for human trafficking to take place, which is recruitment or abduction, uh, coercion um, or threat, and then exploitation. Although when you're talking about trafficking with children, uh, exploitation doesn't have to be there. You just have to, there has to be some means of recruitment or abduction and coercion. So, and, and human trafficking is obviously enshrined in law. In South Africa, we have the Prevention and Combating of Trafficking in Persons Act. Uh, 2013 um, and then we also have law, uh, laws against smuggling and, and smuggling refers to people as well as goods um, but the two of if you if you listen to discussions around trafficking the two are very rarely distinguished from one another so quite often when you hear people referring to trafficking cases you you actually are listening to um, examples of smuggling cases but trafficking mm. the trafficking label just gets applied to those.
0: How does one put this together or compare, if you will, with the the recent reports of kidnappings and, you know, ransom monies being demanded of late, which I think has just thrown us into a state of paranoia somehow?
1: Sure. And I think that's a really important issue to talk about, because as I said at the beginning, you know, trafficking terrifies people and you know especially when it involves children um you know people are incredibly scared and that's understandable and you know we've seen as late these these reports about missing children and abductions or attempted abductions and i think the first thing to say is we don't know or there's not there's no evidence to suggest this is human trafficking so missing children abducted children are missing children abducted children and and that is a terrible and you know a lot of uh, focus needs to be put by the police and by the state onto dealing with those issues and in, in many ways if we start crying human trafficking about those issues what we do is actually ignore the realities and risk um opening up the 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 harms that children can face because i mean even with trafficking itself is you know we often see this picture painted by media if you look at the images that come with trafficking, it's of children tied up or women gagged. Yes. Or we think about the movie Taken, you know. Um, but actually trafficking, that you know, it's not always as extraordinary as that. It's often m- sort of, it's more complicated and, um, it's, it, and it's, it's not as sensationalized in a way. And the same with, you know, when we talk about missing children, the majority of children who face harms or women who face harms is from people known to them or from people, you know, closer to home. So if we have this idea of this kind of trafficking figure who's looming in a van and is going to snatch your child, yes, we should be aware of that, but we mustn't take our eyes off what's happening around us. We know that South Africa has huge issues around gender-based violence, sexual exploitation of children. We know that, you know, there's there's big issues here that we really need to keep our eyes on and we can't afford not to. And if we, in many ways, we we allow trafficking to, to detract from that because we get carried away in these My stories. My good
0: prof, please hold that thought for me. We'll be back to that point in a moment. Please bear with me. No problem. Me. You might think that a television in your lobby or place of business is just an electronic device, but it's not. It's so much more. It's a conversation starter that helps with the vibe in your salon. It's a sense of comfort that makes patients feel at home in any hospital bed when you need it the most. SABC News. Independent. Impartial. It's an informative voice you can trust and a teaching aid that helps you educate your kids. It's the fun your guests thought they wouldn't find in a hotel room. Your TV works hard for you. Treat it right by paying your business TV license. Visit tvlic.co.au today and pay super fast online anywhere,
1: anytime.
0: fearlessly authentically and consciously this week on afternoon express live every weekday at 5 p.m on sabc3 first for women brand ambassador and miss universe Zuzmini tunzi joins us via video chat on monday to share how she lives her life fearlessly Steenberg Farm Executive Chef Kerry Kilpin joins us for a refreshing cook-along on Tuesday. We connect with lifestyle content creator and social worker Kerise Ken Cross on Wednesday as she teaches us how to be our own boss. We turn our focus to nature and wildlife as we learn about the ambitious Noah's Art Conservation Project on Thursday. And the talented Afro-Soul artist Max Hopper joins us on Friday to treat us to his authentic Southern African sound. Feel lifted with Afternoon Express only on SABC3 Hashtag SAFM sound awake It is uh, so 18 well coming up to 14 minutes to 5 o'clock I SAFM Professor Rebecca Walker our guest uh, talking to us about uh, how careful we should be in dealing with information around uh, child trafficking if you will Or smuggling, if you will, you know, missing children, kidnappings, and all of those, because uh, these are issues when handled properly, uh, there's a whole lot of gain for a lot of people and systems can be put in place but if uh, they're not uh, handled properly um, you know the, the unintended victims unfortunately become the children who need to be protected at every turn. Uh, Professor the this study, how, how did you look at uh, the country as a whole or did you focus on particular cities maybe?
1: Yeah, so this was a small scale study. Um, so when we were initially approached to the study um it's we obviously said that you know in order to understand trafficking as across the whole country you'd need you know a long a long stretch of time you would need you know and a, a, you know a lot of funding to do a really in-depth um, uh, uh research study so based on what was available we, we did a small scale study which uh focused on two border areas and also um Cape Town and Gauteng and and they, across across those areas we carried out 34 interviews so in-depth interviews with various different actors including child migrants themselves or children on the move um and up in the border areas we did interviews with with the police with border officials with NGOs working with migrants with lawyers um with a lot of various different uh people involved and um so we, you know, we, we say from the outset that this study can't be generalized to the whole of South Africa. The, the idea of this study is that it's, it's, a, it's a starting platform in a way um, from which we need to build more and more research and get a much better idea of what's actually going on rather than just listening to these kind of horror stories and, and basing our understanding of that. Um, but that said, although it is a small study, you know, um, you know, the quality of studies must, needs to be defined not by the quantity, but actually by the sort of the depth of the interviews and and you know the extent to which you're able to engage with the various people involved. So, um, based on our experiences, researchers working in in the area of migration, we were able to to carry out these interviews and get you know get quite a clear idea of of what people are saying.
0: Also, what's worrying sometimes I. That I can understand to a point when children are on the move, traveling on their own. uh, Also a bit worried as to, I mean, if I was to send a child to town and have to get into a taxi, I worry about, you know, them getting there eventually, just go with them. Uh, In in, in this case, when you spoke to the children, do do you find that they make decisions on their own? Do you find that they plan their route, or it's just, you know... Seed as you go and hope for the best?
1: Mm. I mean, I think the the first thing to say is that obviously children aren't homogenous. So, you know, the experiences of a 17-year-old traveling are going to be very different to that of a 7-year-old. So, um, you know, when we talk about children on the move or or migrant children, uh, we need to be aware of that because, you know, you will apply a different understanding and level of protection to, Mm. to younger children, you know, where... You know they can't make decisions on their own, and they are in need of greater protection. But that said, you know, going back again to this reality of the fact that there is very there is very limited ways to cross borders safely, even to to often to move internally safely. Children do make decisions. I mean, children children are not you know um, they're not vacuums. They they have minds of their own they, um, particularly older children, that they look at their situation, they make plans, they, and sometimes that's because they don't have a choice, you know, if they're coming from a background of conflict or um, poverty or they're running away from home, you know, sometimes it's that they don't they don't have a choice and they have to go. And other times it's just a strategic decision. Um, but just as, you know, children, you know, 7 and 17-year-old are quite different, so are children from different cultures, different backgrounds. So, you know, in some areas, some cultures of the world, it's it's less of a frightening thing for children to be moving on their own, or children, you know, um, quite easily start working from a young age. Whereas, you know, this, this very much the Western ideal of children is that they're very they're innocent and they shouldn't be working and they should be carefree and playing. But we know the reality is very different to that. So, so yes, children spoke to us about decisions they made. Um, But those decisions, you know, were were couched in push and pull factors. So they they were based on the fact there was no food at home or, you know, they just they didn't see a future for them there. Or they had heard stories about South Africa, you know, being being a country where you could make money, where you could support your family or they had family members here. So there were decisions involved, but those decisions were also mixed up with, you know, a lack of choice or and the risks
0: that they they encountered in order to move sure I, I'm, I'm wondering doc can this children on the move this migration mm. of, of children can be can it be prevented can it be minimized or is it better to control it what is best here uh, given the mm. different countries especially in Africa? Uh, yeah. with their different challenges because obviously you might have people with a view that says people must be properly documented otherwise they shouldn't come in and other people will be facing you know dire situations where they come from and are looking to go to one place uh, for a mm-hmm. better life how, how, do, how do we navigate this space uh, for a, a win-win outcome as it were
1: yeah, it's complicated. I mean, these are the these are the sort of questions that should be being discussed, discussed rather than you know just um, sort of freaking out about human trafficking and not sort of digging underneath to these more complicated issues that are connected to it. Um, I think on the one hand, we need to, we need to be aware that, as I said, nobody wants to be undocumented, and if, if there is safer and easier access uh, options to getting documented, you know that's one way of ensuring one that we reduce the vulnerabilities that are faced, but also that you know South, South Africa is more in control as you, you know as you could put it. But um, I, we also need to be aware that you know if we suddenly close borders, um, or if we suddenly like you know get rid of of non-nationals from South Africa, one you know, we're not suddenly going to have a perfectly working country that's, you know, everything's, everything's fine and there's no risk of crime, there's no trafficking, there's no, you know, there's no social ills. Um, and also we're not going to prevent uh, human trafficking by doing that because trafficking is obviously very rarely above above board, it's a hidden crime um, and, and movement across borders is always going to happen. There's always going to be reasons for people to move. And I think you know we we also need to push that point that migration is a part of everybody's lives in some way. many of us are migrants at some at some time or another, mm-hmm. and migration is an everyday reality, but we we tend to talk about you know oh those migrants, you know all oh, those those foreigners, we tend to make it into this something that's separate to to the rest of us um we, and then we can move to those arguments about, oh well, we need to secure our borders, our borders are too open mm-hmm. um I think you know particularly. Uh, you brought up the issue of missing children. I think we've seen um, last week when there were these marches to the Nigerian embassy, um, that we saw these these claims that, you know, mi- missing children get linked to traffic children, which gets linked to foreign nationals, particularly Nigerian syndicates. And it's a very easy, you know, chain of li- uh, connections to make, because, you're look- you know, you're scared, you're looking for someone to blame, and particularly, you know, in the current context with people very rightly being very scared with the loss of jobs and livelihoods through the the COVID pandemic, you know, people, people are looking around for something to say, you know, this is happening and we need to fight this. And so, you know, trafficking in that context becomes a much one of the easier conversations to have rather than saying, well, you know, actually, we do need to make our borders easier and smoother to cross. And that doesn't mean opening them up and allowing floods of people in. Because, you know, the the reality is that wouldn't happen. A lot of people don't actually want to migrate, but, you know, factors mean that they have to. And if they have to, let's make it a case that, one, they can access documentation so that when they want to go home, they can go home. But, uh, two, so that they they can actually become a part of society here and, you know, find work and, and, you know, um, contribute. Because, you know, by leaving people undocumented, including children, we're kind of trapping people and children in in South Africa where they're waiting years and years and years for documents. And in that time, they can't do anything. Mm. So that's not benefiting anyone, you know. So the the conversation needs to be these very questions that you're asking about how do we work around migration. Um, But one of the biggest challenges we have is when, when the trafficking conversation comes up, these questions don't get brought up. And actually, when we start asking them, um, we get shut down because it's, it's treated as somehow that we're saying trafficking is not happening or that it's not as bad as, it, as, as people feel it is. And and that's not what we're saying. You know, Trafficking is a crime and it's horrific and we have to focus on it. But yeah. it's not the only thing happening.
0: You, you know, Prof, I wish we had more time because there's a whole <laughs> lot of questions around, <laughs> around this. It's, 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 it's almost like uh, you know reading a, a law book where you you understand, but you don't understand, but you understand, but you're moving in the right direction, but uh, at the same time, you wonder if you are. Um, I'm of the idea that, you know, these governments, uh, you know, the various countries, this is a debate they need to talk around um, because, obviously, you will find people who say, we don't mind people coming here, as you highlight. Mm. Document them properly. Mm -hmm. Then you know who is who. Two, the fear of children I mean 17 year olds uh, depending on their uh, you know level of maturity charity mm. they need protection they can be abused they can be treated mm-hmm. badly and we've been dealing with issues of under reporting which doesn't give us proper stats in the problems that we have so all of those things you know come to mind and mm-hmm. uh, you find that you um, Opposing sides are both right, but what works best at the end of the day?
1: Sure. I mean, I, I think that's exactly it. But and, and what we're saying is all of those issues are important, but we need to have a bigger conversation and we need to base our conversation on research. So, you know, rather than just making these claims about 30,000 children are trafficked or whatever, mm-hmm. let's, let's look at what... Okay, we don't have good statistics and we don't have good data on trafficking, but we do have some good... that have been carried out by organizations on the ground and by academics who talk about the realities of migration or xenophobia or trafficking. So let's start there and let's build up a picture rather than just jump to these assumptions, which then are used to drive policy, you know, because we need to to work with the empirical data and that's the way we're gonna provide proper protection. And you're right, protection of children, whether they're 17 or seven is absolutely paramount. But right now, we're not providing that if we, if we talk about trafficking in these kind of um, unsupported ways, you know, in, in, sure. in ways that don't represent reality.
0: My good prof, where can we get this report and how do we get hold of you?
1: So the report is available um, for download on the Centre for Child Law's uh, website, which is www.centerforchildlaw.co.za. it's all lowercase. Um, you can contact me uh, via my Twitter handle, which is at BEXJW79. Um, and I, I, I reckon, I mean, the, the report is long, <laughs> yep. but there is also a policy brief that comes with there where we very simply set out the findings and the conclusion of the study, which I think is, is very useful in terms of helping to understand this.
0: My good doc, my good prof, you've started. Let's get this conversation going, and uh, let's hopefully get everybody around the table and talk about this and come up with some tangible uh, way forward. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, keep up the good work, Doc. I'm in Prof.
1: Thank you,
0: and thank you for the opportunity. And give greetings to the rest of the team that you work with.
1: I will do. Thank you very
0: much. Many thanks. Uh, Professor Professor Rebecca Walker there, talking about that study. Please uh, go interrogate it and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> make of it what you will and obviously comment if uh, you need to as well, because it's important that we talk and also uh, fact-check as well, uh, you know, highlighting one uh, celebrity Uh, who made claims about a million children being trafficked in South Africa each year as exaggerated. There's a whole lot more. Obviously, we asked earlier, what has the pandemic revealed uh, about the teaching profession uh, in South Africa, seeing it's World Teachers' Day? 10% of you say uh, teachers can adopt to a crisis. And another 10% says teachers need digital training. And then 30% of us believe that inequalities have been exposed. And 50% of us feel that government must maximize e-learning. and must invest in e-learning. I think was on the money with that. If only many of us could stop stealing from schools. We might be getting somewhere. As I believe hey, the uh, the uh, tablets that got stolen. Hey, it's worrisome. Pretoria 15 to 28, Johannesburg 14 to 26, Faranahen 12 to 26, Bombela 17 to 21, Polokwane 16 to 25, Mahikeng 16 to 32, Freiburg 12 to 33, Bloemfontein 8 to 27, Kimberley 13 to 30, Uppington 16 to 30, Cape Town 14 to 22, George 11 to 22, Port Elizabeth 14 to 22, uh, East London 15 to 25, Devon 18 to 24, Richards Bay 19 to 20.